Hi, this is Hannah. Yo, it's Kevin. And you're listening to Beach Weekly, a news podcast for the Daily 49er at Long Beach State. Beach Weekly me. Beach Weekly! For our first story, we have ASI. So Perry, our ASI beat writer, covered the meetings. What I heard was that it wasn't that eventful. Compared to the last three weeks, this was much less eventful. There were three commissioners who were elected, though. Their jobs are to communicate the needs of different communities to the Senate, so the Senate can more appropriately represent them. So what commissioners were nominated? There were international students, pregnant and parenting students, and veteran students. So what was the process like to get these guys anointed? They have to be interviewed by the president's board, which is what they'll be serving on. And once that happens, they get recommended to the Senate, and then the Senate voted them all through. There was very little discussion. They were just all elected unanimously. Did anything else happen? Jesse Luna, who's the treasurer, showed up, and he talked about this financial literacy workshop, which will be March 14th from 3 to 4.30 in the Student Union Room 303. Uh, With tax season coming up, it's there to educate students on how to fill out their income taxes. And then also... Jesse Ingram, who was a graduate student, protested what he felt was his exclusion from the mascot process. Lean Almaty, who is the vice president of the Senate, said after that he has been in communication with the Senate. It's only elected people who are going to be on this, and he can't be, you know, there can't be an election to get him on. Has he been going to a couple meetings? He has been to several meetings. Yeah. Almost every meeting. Wow, that's determination. Yes. I like it. And what does he want exactly? He just wants... He wants to be included on the board. He feels very strongly about the mascot. He speaks very passionately about the mascot. So like, even when the abortion talks were happening, he showed up and he was talking about the mascot. <laughs> <laughs> very serious topic. Yeah. <laughs> the mascot. It was a moment of levity because there were like people on both sides of the abortion debate having these like intense conversations. And then he showed up and like... They were like overalls, right? He was was in overalls, in black and yellow overalls. And the first thing out of his mouth was like, I apologize for my outfit. And it brought a lot of levity to a serious situation. What do you do when you're bored at ASI meetings? When I'm bored at ASI meetings, I pretend like I'm taking notes and I am looking at, you know, Reddit or just other news sites. Because they can be very long meetings, and they do end with reports that very often have almost no value from, like, a news standpoint. So while I'm waiting to speak to senators, there's about a 30-minute stretch where there's nothing for me to do. There's, like, nothing really for (laughs) ASI. Oh, no, no, no. ASI was, like, it's, you know, anytime you have student government, there's going to be times where, from a news standpoint, there is, like, nothing happening. Yeah. And this was, of my brief time so far covering ASI, this was... Probably the least eventful. And it's especially coming on the tail end of the uh, Senate Bill 24 stuff. That was so fun to report on. And there were so many, like, intense emotions. And it was something that could really affect this campus. And it's something that, you know, had a lot of different sides. And that was, like, a dream to report on. So to go from that to this was... It's a stark contrast. Yeah. 
I mean, it should pick up, though, in the meetings since the elections are coming up, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm very excited for the elections. I know we're going to be doing profiles on each of the people who are running. So that's going to be really fun to look out for. And you wrote a preview about the elections, right? Yeah, that was really funny. So I showed up and we just didn't have anything for news. So I had to, like, write it extremely quickly. And so that was that was fun because I ran down there and looked to see if anyone was in the office. Nobody was there. I saw like the ASI president, Genesis Hara, and she was like on floor two. And there's this balcony where I can look down and see her and she's about to leave. And so I like full sprint down there to talk to her. And that was totally a scramble. So that was my first one here. That's like that. And so what things did you kind of cover in the preview? Well, in the preview, I was just talking about uh, how, like, when it's going to happen, you know, how the process works, you know, like, who's running, what positions are being run for, which it's, like, every senator, vice president, and president are all being run for. And as of now, I don't believe that we have the candidates list, but there will be uh, several updates about that. And then when are elections going to be? Well, I know that those who are running can begin their campaign process on the 11th. If anyone campaigns before then, you can get disqualified for that. Oh, that's crazy. So on the 11th, we'll know who's running. I'm not 100% on this. I believe it's 18th through 20th Mm -hmm. where the voting will be. And all students who are voting will be getting an email with the ballot in there. So that'll be interesting. But I do know that they have extended the period for people to apply two times because there was a lack of people applying. There are some positions right now on ASI that are not filled because nobody ran for them. I was talking to the president, Genesis Hara, about that, and she said that that's always a problem, but this year feels worse, which is why they had to extend it by two weeks. So it'll be interesting to see what positions are uncontested, what positions are not going to be filled. Kev, you should run. You should run. I'll think about it, honestly. I do love running, and that's something I can do. What, what, What would you run for, though? Definitely for president. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I see that. That's like an easy W for me. Guess what? We fucking won. That's right. Last Saturday's CCMAs, we bagged first place for a headline that had a, I guess, controversial word. Controversial. Yeah. For our people edi- over 30. For people over 30, yes. So our editor-in-chief, Kat Schuster, wrote a story about the awards we won at the CCMAs, or the California College Media Association Awards. Ooh, tongue twister. Yeah, it is. Sorry about that. (laughs) So, do you want to talk about the backlash? All right. So, first of all, about a year ago, when we were putting out this special issue about elections in the city, we were trying to figure out what a good headline would be to grab students' attention. And we were kind of joking around and then just fucking vote on the front. And our advisors were like, hey, maybe you shouldn't print that because people are going to get upset. And we were like, no, we're going to print it. So we did it, and a year later, we won first place for Best Front Page, so that was cool. So I wrote this story, and naturally, the headline was, We Fucking Won. And we got some not-so-great feedback from the Facebook crew. Tends to be sort of the older crowd of readers that we have, because on Twitter, we posted the same story, and people seemed to get it. We didn't get any comments, but we got over, like I'd say, like 17 comments or something like that. On Facebook, a lot of alumni and just people were just really upset, saying we should not have used the F word in the story. But I think a lot of folks didn't really pay attention to the fact that I only used the word fucking because 
it was the original headline that won. So that was kind of interesting. Was there backlash when the headline first came out? Yeah, we got emails and stuff like that. But this was kind of more extreme. Like there were a lot of alumni saying stuff like, your advisor should be fired outright. And like, this is embarrassing. Like your group deserves a D. This, you know, this looks like (laughs) a bunch of fifth graders wrote it. Just like one of the comments said something like, can you keep it PG for the the crowd over 30? Which I thought was funny. That doesn't really make any sense. But, I mean, I think the real point here is that college newspapers are uh, more of a platform for us to experiment and be progressive. And actually, that issue that said Just Fucking Vote had, like, the biggest pickup rate we've, like, ever seen. It was, like, a huge success. It's funny. I mean, we don't just use the F word all the time in in our content. I mean, we use it sparingly. Like, if someone says the F word in a quote, we'll use it if it's substantial. But, I mean, we used it in that case because we were just trying to get people to fucking vote. You know, after all this backlash, do you feel, like, personally attacked? Because I saw some of those comments and looked like they were attacking Cat Schuster. Yeah, at first I was a little like, what? Like, you guys are being so mature, like, attacking, like, a bunch of students. But, I don't know. I guess I knew what I was doing when I wrote that headline. And I think, like, as a writer who gets published regularly, I think all of us take that risk when you put stuff out there like you're risking getting attention whether it's good or bad but hey our engagement was increased so <laughs> so would you say you're, you're still proud of that yeah that decision yeah i am i don't really feel like the word was used out of place i think it was to be cheeky and i think it worked in that case so at the awards those are not the only awards that we won because we have others because <laughs> you won i did yeah can you talk about what you won the stories you covered yeah So I won third place for Best Arts and Life Story alongside our managing editor, Samantha Diaz. And then I also won second place alongside Sarah Bears, one of our copy editors, for Best uh, News Series. So that was cool. And then our multimedia managing editor won, was it second place? It was second place, Second place for Best Video. Daily 49er and Dig won 20 awards altogether, so that was really cool. The conference was great. We all had a great time. I went to so many panels. I was just oh, very yeah. hyped. And you got to host a panel. I did. That's right. I forgot. I hosted yeah. two panels. Oh, two. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Uh, which one was your favorite? So I loved doing the one with Paula, our multimedia managing editor. Um, we talked about going digital. It ended up going really well. And people asked tons of questions. And we just really talked about like our transition from like a print-based platform to a digital-first platform meaning we prioritize everything that's online and our print sort of supplements us. But a lot of people were asking us questions. So I was really pleased by that. People were like coming up to us afterwards and saying like, wow, like great presentation. And like also how do I do this and how do I do that? And so, yeah, it was cool. What kind of things do people want to know about our paper? Uh, They were really curious about like the newsletter and like how we put that together, how we organize that. They were curious about Twitter, because like our, our Twitter is pretty funny now. People were asking about Twitter. I'm like, hey, find the funniest person on staff that can spell and just put them on Twitter. <laughs> Shout out to Brenna. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of people were just like wondering like the, what the logistics were of that. Chug it. Ah, chug it at the nugget. So for our next story, we have a profile on Deshaun Booker. It was written by Alex Manfredi, star of Chug It at the Nugget. 
We have him here with co-star Kev. Co-star? Yeah. Okay. Kev. I guess this is the crossover episode that no one asked for. But everyone wants. But everyone wants. Chug it. Wait. Chug it at the business office. I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah. I think I'm going to name the episode that. Okay. Okay. So, Alex, I have no idea what's going on in basketball. Um, so I'm going to let Kev take over and I'll just, I'll come in, you know, yeah, if I have sure. some questions. You got some fire questions? Just come in. Yeah. All that. We're talking about senior point guard Deshaun Booker. He's the leading scorer for the men's basketball team. He's the man. The they man. actually just wrapped up their last regular season game at the Walter Pyramid. Big W for the team. Fifth, fifth, straight fifth game in a row. But what, what makes him so special, Alex? Well, with him, he's an interesting guy. Sometimes he'll come out and score a lot of points and then go quiet in the second half. Sometimes he'll do the opposite. One of his best talents that I think goes unnoticed is just scoring at a high rate quickly in mm. bunches. Like tonight, he scored a lot in the second half. He had two three-pointers in the second half. Uh, but also his biggest thing is drawing fouls and making free throws when he gets to the free throw line. Making free throws. And he does that at a insane rate. I mean, he shoots 91%. And That's he's a lot. he's made 230-something free throws. Yeah. So if you shoot that percent with that many, you can put the ball in the basket for sure. Didn't you say he, like, broke some record or he had, like, the most free throws of something? Yeah. Well, right now he currently has the most made out of all players in the country. Uh, on this for this season and he also broke the record for most free throws made in the big west conference uh, for conference play and that record hasn't been broken since 1984 take us on a journey with booker's life and how he yeah you 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 told me he wasn't always a great free throw shooter so just talk about that a little bit yeah so he wasn't talking to him i mean i talked to his mom over the phone but i've talked to his dad in person and he said he he used to call him Shaq when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And that's a reference to Shaquille O'Neal, who was terrible at free throws in the NBA. Very bad. So his dad would call him that as kind of to make fun of him. And so he kept working on it. Um, in high school, he ended up being a good free throw shooter. Uh, but at the junior college level, two years combined, he shot 76%. And that's not good for a guard. Yeah. I mean, unless you're Lonzo Ball and can't shoot free throws, like <laughs> why, he's why the one exception. <laughs> Why you gotta just throw the Lonzo jab in there while just my Lakers are losing? Well, I had to, but so his first year at Long Beach State, he shot eighty six. So that's a big jump going seventy six to eighty six. Yeah, that's that's huge. Last year as a junior, uh, this year he's shooting 91, 92 in conference. So he's like steadily increased after the decline for coming out of high school. Um, and it all is just work. I mean, it's off season work. He told both of us after all of his shooting drills, he would always make fifteen free throws in the summer. Talking to associate head coach Mike Scholl, he told me in the summer, like, Deshaun was talking to uh, his teammates and coaches all year long saying, look, I'm going to get over 90%. I'm automatic at the free throw line. I'm going to prove this to you guys. It's been a while for him. It, it didn't just come out of the blue. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's put in a lot of work. I got to shoot free throws with him. Yeah. And he's just automatic. Like, yeah. even talking to him. Like, yeah. I was talking to him the entire time. He was, he was laser just, focused. Yeah. He was locked in. I mean, I made 7 out of 10. He made 10 out of 10. So in your story, you talk about how like he uses his ability to shoot free throws to like kind of take advantage of players hedging. And what, what does that mean? As a point guard, he obviously has the ball a lot. And if someone comes and sets him a screen to try to get a look to score, the defenders usually switch. But he's so hard to guard, they don't switch. They just kind of like, slide out yeah, like and through. just kind of bother him without fully switching men yeah. on defense. A big focus for him is getting around those screens and getting around the edge 
but still kind of maintaining contact and keeping defenders on his side. But it's pretty obvious sometimes he'll be dribbling and you can see him like nudging into defenders yeah. as he's dribbling and then he goes and scores a layup. Yeah. So he, he definitely like feeds off of that contact and the referees see it a lot and they honestly call it a lot. The most Booker game this year was the Northridge game. Like yeah, talk about much. how that ended. Yeah, so they were team was down by three and he had the ball coming up the court and there was under ten seconds left. Um, no, they, they were down two. Oh, they were down two. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, they were down two. Either way, he pulled up for a three uh, and drew a foul because uh, mm-hmm. you can see as he shot, he kind of jumped forward as he shot to get contact, and yeah. the referee called it. And you could just see a smile on the floor. Yeah. Like, as soon as that whistle blew, he knew, like, you can I see got the smile game. on his face just because he drew the foul and he knew that he was going to hit the free throws. Yeah. And, of course, he hits all three free throws and they end up winning the game. That led to a five-game win streak yeah, right there. That was the beginning of their winning streak, and it's all because of him, his late-game heroics, as we wrote. What is Deshaun like? So you spent time with him shooting free throws. Can you kind of go into his personality and like who he is? Yeah, I mean, he's he's an interesting guy. On the court, he'll do a lot of talking. He'll even talk to other coaches. He'll <laughs> talk smack. But off the floor, he's one of those funny, quiet dudes. But you can just always see it in him. He's always kind of smirking and smiling. Yeah. So he stays really engaged, but just a little bit more reserved. But with me and Kevin, we've obviously met him a few times. We talked to him a lot. We asked him questions. When we went and shot free throws with him, he was, I mean, very talkative. Yeah, very open. Too. Yeah, like, very he open. Was, he just wanted to talk, and he, he kind of liked that. We were just, like, asking him about, like, his life, and he's a very modest dude. Yeah, but he's definitely shy at first. Yeah. Uh, he, he won't just come approach you and talk. Yeah. Uh, you got to talk to him first, and if he feels comfortable, which he does with us because we've obviously talked to him yeah. a lot. But. Yeah, he's, he's an interesting guy. That's crazy because he's kind of like the star of basketball yeah, here, he, but he, he's shy. He kind of reminds me of like Kawhi. He's a little quiet. He's a very low-key dude. How does he feel about all the attention, though? He doesn't seem phased by it, but neither does he seem surprised or like totally caught up in it. He's a very humble guy. Doesn't use social media a lot, but he knows he gets the attention. Yeah. And that's where it comes into play with his personality. He'll like smirk at it, yeah. but he won't like talk about it. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> Last year, Gabe Lovin was kind of the star of the team, and they both mm-hmm. played together. This year, you could say Booker was the star. How would yeah. you compare and contrast them as stars of the team? Um, I would say, obviously, different positions, yeah. different height, totally different playing style. But personality-wise, they're pretty similar. They're not the most vocal leaders on the team, yeah. but they're one of the leaders because they're the best players. And neither of them off the court were really loud or yeah. goofballs or anything. I've heard that Deshaun is can be a goofball, but I think he kind of just keeps that totally off campus and in the locker room. That's what I've heard. (laughs) What is expected for the men's basketball season? Mm -hmm. As far as moving forward, so tonight they just won their fifth game in a row, and now they're moving on to their conference tournament. They will play against some conference teams again. They have three games. They need to win three in a row, and then they can go to the NCAA tournament. So they have momentum, winning five games in a row heading into it, but they're not the best team record-wise. Very, I would say, average team. Yeah. They're 8-8. Eight and eight. Very I mean, middle of the pack team. How average can it be? Very middle of the pack team, but they look dangerous because of the momentum, but also because they've beaten the best teams in the conference. So they're kind of like a wild card right now. Are they going to go out and beat these teams or just be average again and probably lose in the second game? So it's kind of up in the air. But the expectation for them, they feel like they can be anyone talking to them after the game. They said, you know, we're confident. We've been winning lately, and we've beaten the best teams. So we're going to see how it goes. 
And that's the podcast. Yo, thank you for having me as a co-host, Hannah. I appreciate it. Do 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 do